Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misik is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS. Hackers are after your business data. I can help. I am Vi, the virtual intelligence assistant at Virtual Armor. Virtual Armor, partnered with Juniper Networks, provides cybersecurity services and end-to-end solutions to keep what's yours, yours. Defend yourself with managed firewall and managed SIM essential core services that are economical and efficient. Virtual Armor goes beyond just initial alerting to provide a thorough report on threats, vulnerabilities, and results. Let me help protect you. Contact me at JustAskVi. That's vi.com. And here we go. My opponent is against oil, guns, and God. I am the Democratic Party right now. 47 years, you've done nothing. Everything Americans value hangs in the balance. We have an obligation under the Constitution to use every arrow in our quiver. This is the most important election in the history of our country. I believe that. This is Devious Motives with Brett Winterbull. Welcome, I am Brett Witterbull. It is Devious Motives, episode number 29. Now, this started out as a project where we were going to go to 30, but we started a little bit early, so we're going to end up a little bit over. We're going to end up, uh, I think, 32. But the show's not going to end if the election is not decided on Tuesday night. We are going to keep going, so we'll be in overtime at that point. Uh, Great to be here with you today. A busy day of campaigning out there. The president earlier today in Reading, Pennsylvania, uh, rallying the, the the forces of MAGA nation to his uh, side. And, you know, he is certainly focusing extensively on what's going on in the state of Pennsylvania. That much is a fact. Um, you've got these stories over on the Drudge Report, which I think is so weird, personally. Um, I, I don't know what what the deal with Drudge is, but but he had he had a few headlines I thought were just like goofy. The final countdown, Trump inner circle preps for disaster. Record 99,321 virus cases in a day. So editorially, whoever it is that's running the Drudge Report, and I don't know if he sold it or if he's still out of hand in it, he's way out of touch with the mainstream of America. In fact, you know how you know he knows he's out of touch or they know they're out of touch? It's been quite some time since they had one of those brags over at that site about 7 billion people viewed the Drudge Report in the last month or whatever it was. And so you kind of could tell by looking at what's going on there that that it's it's not what it used to be. It's a shell of its former self, and it has certainly gone uh, never Trumper and maybe pro Biden in in the last days. I think it's because they've made a calculation that it's good for them to uh, be on that other side. Um, one of the stories they've got running though, and and it's I've seen it in a couple of places, but I do think this one is interesting. Is Black Lives Matter faces test of its influence in election. Now, overnight, Friday night into Saturday, uh, a black man was killed by police in, uh, in, in Oregon, just outside of Portland, Oregon. And that led to a whole nother set of uh, rioting and riots and all that kind of crazy stuff going on that you've come to expect from the Black Lives Matter uh, lobby and their, uh, their co-conspirators. Uh, in street violence, of course, uh, Antifa. I, I have long since called it the Antifada because it's what they're doing. They're they're behaving just like the Palestinians do, the throwing of bro- bricks and rocks. And a lot of the same visuals are taking place between 
uh, the two uh, 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 oppressive struggles or whatever you want to call it. It's a, it's a disturbing thing to see. Uh, I don't like it. I'm not a political violence guy. I've never been a political violence guy. I think that there are people who have no business being a part of the political process, and they are the people who, who do are purveyors of violence, whether it's white supremacists or white nationalists or seven goofballs in Michigan that think they're going to kidnap a governor and kill her or put her on trial. You know, these people that want to live in pretendo land, um, I, I, I called them early on in the summer the rage quit culture. It's the people that live on video games and uh, they get angry when their character gets killed and they rage quit the game because they don't know how to take a loss. And that's the fundamental problem with the culture today. Once upon a time in America, we had as a high ideal the participation of, of young people in sports. And when you got into the 1990s, not only did you suffer, because in the late 90s you had garbage on television like the West Wing and, and, and uh, uh, other progressive programs like that, but you got to this place where in a post-30-something world, sandwiched between uh, that and the year 2000, you had people hippies essentially the hippie generation having kids and they decided that winning and losing was not important what was important was uh everybody's acknowledged for their special contribution even the kid that can't shoot a free throw even the kid that doesn't even know what a free throw is even the kid that 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 never got a minute on the floor because he's unable to play the game in any way shape or form and his parents never take him to practice all of that right uh, the participation trophy, what you're now seeing in America today with Black Lives Matter, with with um, intersectionality, with Antifa, with all of this behavior is, is the petulant behavior of people who claim to seek change, but really only want destruction and devastation. That's it. The point of what you see with much of the violence in the streets is not to bring about a change. It's not sitting in an intersection uh, peacefully chanting or 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 reciting uh, a, a a mantra to get your word out. It's not that at all. It's we have to beat people up five on one, ten on one, six on one. We have to run cops over with our vehicles. We have to shoot at people we disagree with. We have to physically assault and beat people we disagree with. Shutdown DC had a had had a had a message uh, late on Friday that said, "Come Tuesday night, they are going to begin a siege." of Trump supporters, uh, Trump staffers, and people who run conservative think tanks in Washington and news operations. So shut down D.C., which once upon a time was a peaceful, uh, uh, silly, little climate change organization because we care about the climate. They've now decided to change the climate and go full violence. So they're going to they're going to shut down Washington, D.C. They're going to target the White House. Their objective is to drive Donald Trump from office, regardless of what the outcome of the election is. So if he wins the reelect, they're going to lay siege to D.C. till he resigns. If he loses the reelect, they're going to try to go into the White House and physically pull him out of the White House and put him on a, some sort of a people's trial, no doubt. It's, it's Looney Tunes in a big way. And it's because these people never understood the importance of the civic value, the civic pride, the civic identity. They only know the value of 30 seconds on TikTok, 15 seconds on Insta. Let's do this on Twitter. Let's go for the ratio. All that stuff that is unevolved, unintelligent series of thoughts that don't go towards any greater goal. And that's what it comes down to. So remember, I warned you, 
10 days ago that there's a website that allows the, the maniacs, the dangerous people, the thugs to look up your address if you're a donor to the Trump campaign. And I expect that they may be visiting people in their homes, uh, maybe coming through their windows, coming onto their front lawns uh, to confront you because you are a Trump supporter, a Trump voter, a Trump donor, any of those sorts of things. But to, to go back to the broader point here, what you have are these organizations that don't seek any, any, any change at all. They seek the destruction of the system. And what they have done since 2015, when BLM was birthed, or really 2013, when BLM was birthed, then welcomed into the White House as a partner for change with Barry Hussein Obama and Joe Hussein Biden, what, what they did was they, they looked at this and they said, okay, we are now going to become the setter of the tone in the country. It's not going to happen today. Mao had a long walk. Mao had a long march. It took many, many years for Mao Zedong and for the, for, the, for the communist forces there in China to take over that country, to drive the KMT back over into Taiwan, all those sorts of challenges that are happening. Um, revolutions do not happen overnight. Uh, they may jump off overnight. They may start up overnight, but the roots are sowed many, many, many days, months, or years beforehand. And what you're seeing is the, is, is the byproduct of this in the way that the world is currently uh, uh, dealing. So what do you have? You have conditions that, to go back to Drudge, 90,000 new cases of COVID, not 90,000 dead people, not 90,000 people are terribly ill, not 90,000 people are, are feeling this way or that. No, none of that is what's going on. No, none of that is what's happening. Um, what, what, what you're having happen is COVID cases are happening. COVID cases are happening. COVID cases are, are, are affecting people. But the, the media is very, very good at the conflation of COVID cases and the impression that those are people heading to the ICU needing ventilators, as, as uh, Cuomo would say back in the day. What does this all mean, Winterbull? Why are you giving us this word bath, this word salad? It feels like you're just vamping. It feels like you're just riffing. It feels like you're just stitching together thoughts like Biden does. No, no. The point of all this is this. There's a great reset that is underway. It's taking place in countries around the world. The great reset is the transference of influence and power from the citizenry to the medical establishment. Trust the science is is a new catchphrase it is it is in many ways the new paris commune it is the new talking point um uh, workers of the world unite the great reset trust the science i go with science i'm with science once upon a time science was defined by adolf hitler and and the the, the national socialists in germany as determining that people who were uh, people of color or were Jewish were inferior people. They used science to exploit that issue, to exploit that argument, and it was false. It was a false assertion using science. And that's what we have to understand. Science in the objective form where gravity means this, Heat means this, cold means this, does not require consensus. Gravity does not exist because 55 million scientists have come to an agreement that gravity exists. Gravity exists because it's been proven 
from the days of Sir Isaac Newton to today. And so what's underway right now as 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 Boris Johnson announces that uh, England is going to go into a lockdown, as you see lockdowns uh, taking root in a number of other countries around the world, the, the science says we must lock down. The science says we must restrict freedom. The science says we're heading for a great reset, at which point you as a free citizen, you as a stakeholder in a free republic, don't get the say you think you get. Why do you think it is that in the name of science and protection and all that sort of stuff, why do you think it is that we have now had voting in some jurisdictions since August? Don't you find that odd? Don't you find that strange? These are the same people who go to Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, the big box stores, um, they, they go out and they do their thing. They go out and they march with Antifa at the, at the Antifada. They go out there with the BLM. They do all this stuff, don't they? They do all this stuff, but it's too dangerous to go stand in line and cast your ballot, even if socially distanced. We must vote early because we're going to die. Science. Science is the new two by four that the elites are using against the working man. Science, you can't go to your job at the bar. You can't take your child to school. You can't do what you want to do as a free citizen in a free republic because the science says it's too dangerous. Is it? Is it? Is it possible that there's something else at play here, ladies and gentlemen? Is it possible, sitting here at, 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 at devious motives and looking at the bigger picture, is it possible that what's actually happening is something much more nefarious? Is it possible that as, as part of the Great Reset, the Great Reset where we shut everything down because of science, we have these explosions of cases in Europe. We have explosions of cases uh, in the Middle East and around the world. Is it possible that this isn't, in fact... A rebound or a second wave. What if this is a second infection that's being deployed? What if that's what's happening in our country? What if that's what's happening around the world? We just had a 33% GDP number come out in the last 48 hours. 33% annualized GDP growth, the biggest number in the history of maybe economies, but definitely of the United States, which means we have posted the largest number and the largest contraction under the same presidency just in the course of the last 200 days. What does that say to you? What does that tell you? It tells me that when we had the great contraction, courtesy of the Chinese Wu flu, courtesy of what Xi Jinping sent to us to harm our economics, to harm Western Europe, it just so happens we were talking about Huawei once upon a time and 5G, weren't we? So were the Europeans. When's the last time you heard anybody mention Huawei and 5G? When's the last time you... You heard uh, the, 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 the name of the woman who was detained by the Canadians, uh, uh, who is the daughter of the founder of Huawei. 
When's the last time you heard her name? When's the last time you heard any of it? It was before the COVID crisis. So it's entirely believable in my book that the COVID crisis was a purposeful, biological, Pearl Harbor strike on the rest of the world. I believe a message was sent from Xi Jinping to the United States and our allies around the world. China's not your partner. China's not your friend. China's not your ally. China's not any of that. China is an equal playing field member as you in NATO and you in ASEAN and you in South America and you in the Middle East and you in the United States and Canada. We are on the scene and we can do this. Now, suddenly, as we get into the closing days of the presidential campaign, suddenly, like magic, what are we hearing? We're hearing the COVID is back. There's a second wave. We can't have voting. You can't go to the store. You can't buy guns. You can't have ammunition. What you can do is sit in circles painted on the ground while you listen to Joe Biden, forget who he is, what he is, where he is, and why he's there. As he makes speeches blathering about nonsense most of the time. Platitudes being issued. I'm, 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 gonna, I'm, I'm not going to shut down the economy. I'm going to shut down the virus. How are you going to shut down the virus, Joe? How are you going to shut down the virus, Joe? And his answer always is the same. We're going to do what the president wouldn't do. We're going to tell people to wear masks. We're going to tell people to shut their businesses down. We're going to tell, oh, wait, no, no, I said that. No, hold on. We're going to tell people to wear masks. We're going to open the office of pandemic policy back up. We left the president a playbook and he put it away. He wouldn't listen to it. We're going to get influence peddling money from the Chinese. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Hold on. Joe Biden doesn't have a plan for COVID. Kamala Harris doesn't have a plan for COVID. If they did, they'd sit for an interview and they'd go over line by line what the numbers are, what's going to happen, who's going to be in charge of the policy coming out of the White House. And you know what his answer will be? Just the science is going to do it. The science is going to do it. No, the science isn't going to do it. It's akin to watching... Uh, the original film, The Odd Couple, with Felix and Oscar, and Felix slaves over a hot stove to make Oscar a delicious supper, and Oscar comes home late having eaten a hot dog, watching a baseball game, watching the Mets, and as he shows up in the house, Felix says, the meatloaf is now dried out, and he says, Oscar says, well, why don't you just make some gravy and put a little gravy on it, Felix? And Felix says, where am I supposed to get gravy? And Oscar says, it just comes when you cook it. And Felix says, it doesn't just come when you cook it. That's insane. That's lunacy. And Jack Lemons throws the, the food uh, into the garbage because we can't eat it because it's, it's been dried out. That's Joe Biden's health care policy. What, what happens with your strategy, Joe? Well, the, the, the strategy just comes when I get elected. I'm not Trump. 
and I'm going to have ideas. Okay, what ideas are you, are you selling us on? Well, we're going to raise taxes on anybody making more than $400,000 a year. We're going to ban fracking or not ban fracking. We're going to ban fracking on federal land, but we're not going to ban the fracking. Kamala Harris is going to be in charge of packing the court. I, I, I'm sorry, we're going to get 180 experts and give them 180 days to come up with an idea for court packing. We don't know we're going to. Well, I, I don't want to talk about that because if I talk about that, it becomes the topic. So what about your COVID plan, Joe? I can't talk about my COVID plan because if I talk about it, it becomes the topic. What about Hunter's hard drive, Joe? I can't talk about Hunter. If I talk about Hunter, then Hunter, Hunter's the topic. He's the topic. Donald Trump is the topic. The worst president ever in the history of ever. I'm going to put him on a rocket ship and send him to Mars. The Great Reset is looming out there. It's looming out there. And everything you're seeing happen right now is, is a predicate it's a predicate for what will come next. It's a predicate, if Trump gets reelected, it's a predicate to move towards reopening. If, if Biden gets elected, it's going to be a predicate in a move towards closure. Can't have gatherings. Can't have protests. You can have riots, but you can't have protests. It's just not right. The science. We got to trust the science. Conrad Black has a piece up over at the National Review. Conrad, Conrad Black's piece, I think, is absolutely fascinating. He says, he says in this piece, which is entitled, Hell Yes, about the re-election of Donald Trump. He says in this piece, only a Trump victory will prevent Iran from becoming a nuclear power within five years and North Korea from resuming its missile tests over Japan and South Korea. There are no grounds for confidence that the Democrats would maintain a firm but not belligerent economic and strategic containment strategy towards China, coordinated with India, Japan, South Korea, and other key allies in East Asia and Australasia. We know that if Trump is defeated, the country will be subjected to not just the self-flagellating provisions of the Paris Climate Accord, but also to the $100 trillion green terror assault on the petroleum industry and a bone-cracking rise in electricity costs after closing gas-fired electricity plants. The Democrats remain committed to giving the Palestine Liberation Organization and Hamas, two terrorist organizations, a veto over any resolution of their conflict with Israel. And since they do not accept the right of Israel to exist as a Jewish state, that'll ensure continued stagnation, attrition, and terrorism, financed by a newly enabled Iran. He is spot-on and 100% correct when he talks about the stakes and how dangerous things are right now. Those stakes are abundantly clear to me. If Trump is defeated, America will never know the proportions of or the people responsible for the greatest breach of the Constitution in the country's history. The politicization of the intelligence agencies and of the FBI in an attempt to alter the 2016 presidential election, both before and after it occurred. Nor will it ever be established whether the Biden family's receipt of millions from Russia, China, and Ukraine while Joe Biden was vice president constituted crimes or just mere improprieties compounded by lies and disinformation. Only a Trump victory would ensure that the whole concept of freedom of religion would not be bulldozed by such tyrannical outrages as requiring the little sisters of the poor, nuns, to pay for the contraception and abortions of their students and employees. Only Trump's reelection will prevent the legalized infanticide 
of aborting newly born children judged at that late stage by their mothers to be disposable. President Trump is the only candidate in this race who has any real interest in penal and prosecutorial reform. Both former Vice President Biden and Kamala Harris have spent most of their careers increasing the sentences of all categories of convicted people and have some direct responsibility for the fact that the United States has 5% of the world's population and 25% of its incarcerated people and that an utterly scandalous 99% of criminal prosecutions are at least partially successful. 97% of those without even a trial. U.S. has six to 12 times as many incarcerated people per capita as Australia, Canada, France, Germany, Japan, and the U.K., the most comparable large prosperous democracies. The American criminal justice system is a disgrace, and both of the Democratic candidates for national office are complicit in that disgrace. The Democrats are tainted by their intimate dependence upon their corrupt urban political machines, personified by the grossly incompetent mayors of New York, de Blasio, Chicago, Lightfoot, Los Angeles, Garcetti, Washington, Bowser, Seattle, Durkin, and Portland, Oregon, Ted Wheeler. The Democrats are also severely compromised by having maintained total silence all summer as the worst rioting in America in over 50 years raged across the country and white-hating urban guerrillas and white hooligans burned and stole and vandalized billions of dollars of property and tried to destroy statues and monuments of inoffensive people such as Columbus and as some of the greatest American leaders, including those most dedicated to the advancement of African Americans, Frederick Douglass, Abraham Lincoln, and Ulysses S. Grant. That is Conrad Black's argument. But he continues, the re-election of the president's the only way to avoid a Democrat onslaught upon the existing constitutional system, including a neutralization of the electoral college by imposing the victory of the candidate with the most votes nationwide, even in states that voted for other candidates, effectively disenfranchising the 25 smaller population states around the country. It would also include packing a Supreme Court and a renewed relaxation of illegal migrants and confirmation of the inability to screen non-citizens as ineligible voters in presidential elections. Let me parenthetically mention one more time. I received a ballot mailed to me in the Carolinas, to my home address in the Carolinas, from California, and it wasn't, it wasn't forwarded to me. It wasn't sent to me with a sticker that says, please notify sender of new address. You've done this if you've moved out of state. It was addressed to my home address in the Carolinas. It was addressed to my home address. And only one agency in California has my home address. The DMV of the state of California, the Department of Motor Vehicles, they attempted to shake me down for almost uh, $500 to re-register my vehicle a full six months after I left the state of California with my vehicle. I responded with an attestation and an affidavit and a legally binding signature and proof of my registration here in the Carolinas. I attached my tax bill 
in the state of the of of the Carolinas here. I sent them all the information repeatedly. They clearly input that information. They clearly cross-tabbed it to the voting database and cut me automatically a ballot from San Diego where I lived before I came to WBT in Charlotte. What that means is that everybody in the DMV system got a ballot to vote in California. Well, Brett, who cares? So what? The people of California and the DMV got ballots. California gives, gives licenses to illegal immigrants. I am willing to bet you a mortgage payment on my house that everybody in the DMV system over the age of 18 with vehicles registered or licenses held received a ballot in the state of California according to the county in which they reside. That's the score. That's the scale. That's the size of the potential theft we're talking about. If we go, if we go, if we go, to a popular vote model, the 38 million Californians represented by, I don't know, let's go for a ballpark, 20 million voters will decide, along with Illinois and New York, who the next president of the United States is. How's that make you feel in the Carolinas or Kentucky? How's that make you feel in Colorado or New Mexico? How's that make you feel in Arizona or Alabama? It should have you frightened. The stakes have never been more serious. This is a group of people desperate, desperate to have us come together, desperate to have us come together and to make a decision that Joe Biden is the pathway forward because we fear the coronavirus and only Joe Biden can give us the great reset, the great shutdown the great unwinding of our nation. I could have played you a bunch of sound bites. I could have played you a bunch of sound from the rallies, but you've heard it all. I wanted you to hear the arguments. I wanted you to hear what's at stake. You choose, you vote how you want. But understand there was a time in this country when mediocrity was accepted as the new normal. We ought not go back to the mediocrity of the past. We ought to be striving for greatness in the future. I'm Brett Witterbull. This has been Devious Motives, Episode 29. Devious Motives with Brett Winterbull. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor. We're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS. 
Hackers are after your business data. I can help. I am Vi, the virtual intelligence assistant at Virtual Armor. Virtual Armor, partnered with Juniper Networks, provides cybersecurity services and end-to-end solutions to keep what's yours, yours. Defend yourself with managed firewall and managed SIM essential core services that are economical and efficient. Virtual Armor goes beyond just initial alerting to provide a thorough report on threats, vulnerabilities, and results. Let me help protect you. Contact me at justaskvi. That's vi.com.